What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. All right, season two, episode thirty-seven. On today's episode, we got Juvenile and Big L. So I'm starting to notice something here as I run off my opinions of artists in the beginning of each episode. The people I listened to growing up seems to have almost zero rhyme or reason to it. I seem to have mostly had a little bit of everything to a certain extent. I'm particularly surprised by how much South shit I fucked with growing up. And to be honest with you, I don't even ever think I really gave any acknowledgement to what geographical area I was listening to. I just kind of rocked with whatever I liked at the time. But I had at least one Juvenile album, at least one Hot Boys album, and the Baller Blocking soundtrack when I was younger. Although I must say, aside from the singles on those albums, I didn't really fuck with much. Big L, I actually didn't find out about until after he was dead. A friend of mine put me on to Big L in early high school, maybe like 2000, 2001, around there, which was only a year or two after L died, but still. Um, I absolutely loved everything about him the minute I heard him. For me, personally, it was almost like, what is there to not like? I loved his East Coast gritty, grimy, gutter, boom bap sound. Lyrically, I always thought he was ridiculous. I was a huge fan of his rugged ruthlessness and the absurd things that he said, etc. So, again, I only found out about L. I only found out about L right after he passed, and he obviously doesn't have a lot of material. But I've personally been hooked since day one. So today is the first episode where both artists have come out in 1995. So. We are officially on to a new year here, and this year marks the very last year of the golden era of hip-hop. So once we leave 1995, we will officially be out of the golden era of hip-hop. So like I said, both of these artists today had their debut albums out in 1995, but we'll start off with Juvenile as his was out first. His birth name is Terrius Gray. Born March 25, 1975 in New Orleans, Louisiana, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop, and his years active are listed as 1991 to present. So let me read you a bit of a background here on Juvenile. Terrius Gray, born March 26, 1975, better known by his stage name Juvenile, is an American rapper best known for his work with Cash Money Records in the late 1990s and early 2000s, both solo and as a member of the label's then-flagship group, The Hot Boys. Juvenile's career began in the early 1990s as a teenager with bounce music recordings that made him a local star. He released his debut album, Being Myself, in 1995. After signing to Cash Money, Juvenile released Soldier Rags in 1997, which included the major local hit Soldier Rag. A year later, he released the multi-platinum 400 Degrees, which included his first nationwide hits, Huh? and Back That Ass Up. He released other successful solo albums for Cash Money, The G-Code, Project English, and Juvie the Great, which included the number one hit, Slow Motion. After leaving Cash Money, Juvenile has released several other albums, including The Beginning of the End with Group UTP, which included the anthem, Nolia Clap, and the solo number one song, Reality Check. So... We do see some accolades there for Juvenile. 
a multi-platinum album, a couple of nationwide number one hit songs, a number one album, etc. Nothing too insane, no awards or records broken or anything like that, but we can certainly see some mainstream commercial success here for Juvie. So now let's get into what I wrote up for Juvie while I was listening to him. I definitely had a couple of Juvenile and or Hot Boys albums growing up. Early on, Juvenile hardly rhymed and just seemed content to repeat himself over and over again for an entire album. He had some horrible lines and was off to such a rough start that I actually questioned whether I should even bother wasting my time going forward with him. From his second album, he continued to get better and better and dig himself out of the hole he created. He was good at being able to keep a topic and was even a decent storyteller, but still finished below average lyrically overall. Juvie qualified 11 solo albums, 3 with the Hot Boys, and 1 collaboration album with Birdman. Of the 15 albums, 1 was weak, 4 were average, and the remaining 10 were good. Between himself and the group, he was part of 201 songs. None of them were great, but 26 were good, and another 15 of them were weak songs. While he did sell a fair amount of records, overall his impact on hip-hop wasn't a tremendous one, and he only seemed to have clear influences on Nas and a few others. For the most part, Juvie the Great was your typical down-south rapper, but he did come at a time where southern hip-hop still did not have many major players, and he did have a pretty original sound. So let's get into the math here for Juvie and see how it all adds up. Lyrics he gets a 4, and I, I do want to speak about this for a second, because a lot of times... I'll be looking through these lists, you know, to just to check out some things. And maybe I want to see where this guy finished or what this guy's score was. Um, compare a little bit, see where people are at. And I see this four for Juvie and it, it fucking irks me every time because there's some other people that I see that have four and a halfs and I'm like, oh, he was better than Juvie. But I think every time that thought crosses my mind, I'm forgetting Juvenile's first album. And I don't mean to be a dick here, but it's really difficult for me to even explain how poor this album was. Everything about it was poor. Um, the sound of it was poor. There were really no, you know, original or clever things on it, like no crazy song topics or anything. I wasn't hearing anything from him that I hadn't heard from anybody before, aside from his rhyme style, which on his first album, I, I, I have a hard time even calling it a rhyme style because he didn't really rhyme for most of the album. He literally just kept repeating the same lines over and over. And I'm not talking about a random repetition every couple of songs. I'm talking about the same bars over and over and over again on the same fucking songs. Okay? This dude didn't even wait to another song to keep just repeating his bars. He would literally just say four bars and then say the same four bars and then say the same four bars again and then say the same four bars again. Um, so again, I, I've never seen anything quite like it, but that's not a good thing. So the hole that Juvie dug himself in with that first album was fucking tremendous. So when I think about it, the fact that he really even got himself back up to a four and anywhere near a four and a half, because I do remember him being close to a four and a half, it really does speak to, I, I don't want to say Juvie was great, but he was certainly above average in the latter half of his career. He, he did have some good stuff that he did do. But it wasn't enough to even bring him back to average. But again, the fact that he climbed back up to a four, almost a four and a half from the hole that he was in, definitely says a lot because he was really, really, really bad early on. Albums, he gets a 3.43, which is just above the average mark. And again, with that first album, the fact that he was able to even get that album score overall is pretty impressive to a certain degree. There's nothing really impressive about the score, 
But after that weak album and the score that it got, you know, I'm surprised that he finished above average with the album score. Songs, he gets a minus 0.75. So it's not too crazy, but it's relatively significant. I mean, that's three quarters of a full point. So he, he's getting up there. And again, you're losing points where you could be gaining points. That came from no great songs out of 201 songs, but 15 weak songs. So he loses three quarters of a full point there. Impact, he gets a five and a half. And, you know, I just thought that, quite frankly, just, just the simple things that he did as far as having like a commercial success was really enough to just carry him to a five and a half because, you know, other than the handful of things that we read up on in Juvie's background with, you know, uh, the number one songs or the multi-platinum 400 degrees album, um, he did have things like that. So I, you know, I don't want to say that he was just average. I thought that those things were just enough to put him above average. There really wasn't much else to raise or lower him in this category. So, you know, I thought even or average, whatever way you want to put it for the most part. And then the couple of little things with, you know, know you clap and slow motion and back that ass up and the, the multi-platinum album and stuff like that. Those couple of little things I thought were enough to just bring him right above average lyrically for impact. And originality, he gets a seven. Like I spoke about, in a certain sense, typical down south rapper. But you have to say that loosely because there really weren't that many southern rappers at this point. So to even say that he was typical is a little bit sketchy to even say. And, you know, his sound, his delivery and things like that were pretty original. So... I thought that there was more good than bad when it came to originality for Juvenile. Just that that score was mostly carried by his overall sound and delivery and stuff like that. So you add those five numbers up and you divide by five. That gives you a final rating of 3.84, which leaves Juvenile tied for 145th place of 183 artists done overall. So... That's obviously not an ideal finish for Juvenile, and to be honest, he's kind of the opposite of some other people we've been seeing lately. Most people have been getting relatively average scores in most departments or decent lyrical scores, but below average in impact and or originality. Here we have somebody who technically was below average, but had some decent successes and was relatively original. It obviously wasn't enough to make up for the lack of technical ability as he still finishes right around the bottom 20%, but I do want to point something out really quickly. Remember that all these scores are a reflection of each artist's entire career from start to finish. Juvenile was so bad early on as a teenager that the fact that he got some of the scores that he did said a lot about what Juvie was able to do after the early stages of his career, so... Shout out to Juvenile, who obviously had a major movement in the South. Now on to Big L. Birth name, Lamont Coleman. Also known as El Colleone. Born May 30th, 1974 in New York City, United States. Died February 15th, 1999, also in New York City, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop, and his years active are listed as 1992 to 1999. So let's read up on a little bit of a background here on Big L. Lamont Coleman, May 30th, 1974 to February 15th, 1999, known professionally as Big L, was an American rapper and songwriter. Emerging from Harlem in New York City in the early to mid-1990s, Coleman became well-known amongst underground hip-hop fans for his freestyling ability. 
He was eventually signed to Columbia Records, where in 1995, he released his debut album, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. On February 15, 1999, Coleman was shot nine times in his East Harlem neighborhood and later died from his injuries. Noted for his use of wordplay, multiple writers at All Music, Hip Hop DX, and The Source have praised Coleman for his lyrical ability, and he has also been described as one of the most auspicious storytellers in hip-hop history. Regarding Coleman's legacy in an interview with Funkmaster Flex, Nas claimed Coleman scared him to death. When I heard his performance at the Apollo Theater on tape, I was scared to death. I said, yo, it's no way I can compete with this if this is what I gotta compete with. So first of all, I obviously want to say rest in peace to Big Al, man. Unfortunately, another one that was taken away far too soon. One of my personal favorite rappers. I really, really do wish we could have had some more Big L. I wish L was still coming out with material. Um, as far as Big L's background, we don't see much there, not only as far as awards, records, or accolades, but even in material released. Again, we have to remember what a short span of time some of these guys were around for. So while it may seem to some that Big L accomplished a lot, it was really just a huge buzz he created. Which, again, not taking anything away from L or Biggie or anybody else like that. Just trying to point out how they weren't really given enough time to accomplish much. And even the fact that they accomplished what they did in the time frame that they did it in is mind-boggling. What we do see here is a lot of praise coming from critically acclaimed musicians, peers, writers, etc. So it's no secret that Big L is well respected in the hip hop community. And now let's read what I wrote down about Big L. I've always personally had Big L in my top 10 of all time list. I'm not going to lie though, as I got deeper into this study, I started to see how off some of my perspectives and personal faves were from the reality of where people were finishing and I was afraid I might have overrated Big L. I didn't. Big L reminded me of the Mike Tyson of rap. Everyone knows the big punches are there, but both were way better technically at their craft than I think most average viewers or listeners actually even realize. He was also pretty good at being able to keep a topic and tell a good story. The only knock on L at all, if any, was that even though bar A led into bar B well, his rhymes did get random throughout a verse at times, and his hook seemed to be a lot more one-liners repeated anthem style. But he was so amazing lyrically, it never really seemed to affect his scoring much, if any. Unfortunately, Big L's legacy was cut short, and he only registered three albums for scoring. Both of his solo albums were classics, and the DITC album was a borderline good-slash-great album. Of his 40 songs, 15 were great, another 18 were good, and none were even close to weak. Over a third of his songs were great songs, leaving him with the highest song score so far of any artist to date. In just a few short years, L had a major impact on the hip-hop game in more ways than one. While some would argue this was exasperated by his murder, that is still part of his legacy. He also influenced artists such as J-Forms, Cameron, Vinnie Paz, E-40, Eminem, Nori, Spice One, J. Ruta Damager, Fredro Star, Bun B, AG, Lord Finesse, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, Tragedy Gaddafi, Jay Z, Eric Sermon, Melly Mel, Scorpio, Freddie Fox, and many others. While L did take a few things from Lord Finesse and Big Daddy Kane, 
He didn't borrow or seem to be musically influenced by much else. Image-wise, he may have been your typical New York rapper, but his level of straightforward aggressiveness and disrespect with his song topics and lyrical content was unlike anyone else at that time. So, that's what sounds like a pretty good breakdown for Big L here, so let's get into the math and see how this adds up. Lyrics, he gets a 7.5, and, a half, and I, I want to chime in here really quick and say that if Big L was around for longer and was able to keep the same pace or even better that going forward, he had the potential to probably be one of the greatest lyricists of all time. And the reason I say that is, is I want to allude back to my Mike Tyson comparison, okay? You can take anybody that doesn't watch boxing and say, do you know who Mike Tyson is? And they'll probably tell you I know who Mike Tyson is. Now, if you ask them to tell you anything about Mike Tyson as a fighter, I'm speaking about people that don't watch boxing now, that just know who Mike Tyson is as a person. And if you said to them, can you tell me one thing about Mike Tyson as a fighter? I can almost guarantee you, you would get one of two responses no matter who you asked. One might be that he bit Holyfield's ear. Two would probably be that he's one of the hardest punches of all time. What people fail to realize is how fucking great of a technical boxer Mike Tyson was. His defense was tremendous, both with his head movement and his hands. His footwork was incredible. His angles were incredible. His combinations were incredible. There were so many things that this man did technically amazing that he wasn't usually fully grip given credit for, at least by your average boxing fan, because of the, the violent and crazy knockouts he scored so often. Mike Tyson also had a great chin. So it was crazy, like some things would go unnoticed because Mike Tyson would come out and just knock somebody unconscious in 30 seconds. And it didn't really give anybody room to say, wow, what a great boxer this guy is. It was, holy fuck, he just beat the shit out of that guy. And then he would just land one punch on the next guy and do the same thing. So sometimes the technical aspects got overshadowed. That was kind of Big L with, ironically enough, punchlines, okay? Big L had so many fucking hard punchlines that were not only dope, impressive, skillful lines, but he just had some lines that were straight rude and insane and disrespectful. This guy was saying shit like, I'm going to run up in church and pistol whip the preacher every Sunday. Uh, little kids be waking up crying, yelling, Mommy, Big L is coming to get me. Okay, so they weren't always the most difficult lines. He did have difficult lines that were amazing, crazy things that he thought of. A mad hose, Axe Beavis, I get nothing but head. Okay, so he had everything. He had your metaphors. He had your punchlines. He had so many fucking dope, standout, aggressive, ridiculously absurd, outlandish things that he said that it caused so many other things to go unnoticed. I don't, I'm not sure if that many people are aware at how tremendous Big L was at rhyming syllables. Because when he's dropping these crazy hard bars, you're probably not sitting there counting his syllables. I obviously had to do that in this study, so I was even pleasantly surprised by things like that. I knew Big L was a dope lyricist. That wasn't a surprise to me. But I was surprised by how technically good this dude was when it came to, like, poetry. You know, multisyllabic rhymes, rhyme schemes, just little things like that where it was like, okay, yeah, he does have a lot of dope lines, but... Not only are the technicalities not suffering in order for him to drop these lines, but he's still being super impressive with his technicalities. 
So again, I just want to give Big L some praise here, man. You know, I really think the only reason he's at a seven and a half is, I mean, the fact, the fact that this guy climbed to a seven and a half lyrically in just 40 songs is fucking insane. I mean, how often can I raise his score? I mean, every couple of songs, I literally raise this guy's score, which is outlandish. That's absurd. Nobody else really gets raised at that rate. So again, for this guy to be at a seven and a half lyrically after only 40 songs is absolutely insane. And I don't want his amazing technicalities to get undermined and just thrown under the bus because he had so many dope punchlines. Big L was able to do it all for sure. And on top of that, I told you, this guy was good at keeping a topic, which I'm not sure that most people would really give L credit for, right? If I said to you, oh, is Big L good at keeping a topic though? You probably would say, like, I don't know, bro. I don't even really remember like what topics of songs he had. Did he have anything that he really had to keep a topic? He did. He had, you know, certain stories that he told that were great stories with crazy endings. Uh, never deviated from any of those storylines. Um, aside from just the stories, he did have a couple of topical songs that were about specific things. And again, not only was he able to keep the topic, but he was still able to kill the verse both with punchlines and technicalities while being able to keep the topic or while being able to tell a story. So again, I just want to point out that Big L was not a one-trick pony that just dropped a lot of punchlines. This guy seemingly could do it all. And actually, me personally, if I had to guess, if, if you were to say to me what's one thing that, that might be Big L's downfall... I would have probably said to you, I think all of his rhymes are just random. I, I don't know how good he is at like keeping a topic or things like that. Uh, he was great. He was fucking great at it. So there really were no weaknesses there for Big L when it came to lyrics. It's just that he, he didn't have all that many of them to get that high of a score. But Big L, a tremendous lyricist for sure. No question. Albums, he gets a 7.04. This is fucking insane so i want to point out a couple of things here we've spoke about 3.3 relatively being the average album score since everything is out of 10 and we have to divide it by three or multiply it by three and that's how we're getting these scores now i want to put into perspective here obviously you can see at 3.3 7.04 is obviously extremely high it's more than double 3.3 but i want to put things into perspective here okay so 2.1 is the score that you need, 2.1 or higher, is the score that you need to receive a classic album, okay? So 2.0 would be a borderline classic. Now, there are different ways to come by these scores, but I'm just going to keep this simple just, you know, so we can just run through this really quick and you can understand the point that I'm trying to make. If you had an album that was a 2.0, and let's just say the way that you got that score was every single song on that album was a 2. Okay, so that would obviously, if it's 10 songs, they each get two points. That's 20 points divided by 10 songs. It obviously comes out to two. If you took that score and then times it by 3.3, that would be 6.6. .6. Okay, so 6.6 .6 would be a borderline classic score. Who the fuck gets a score that high as a total? Okay, yeah, maybe you had a borderline classic album. I get that. That's that's amazing. Maybe you even had a classic album. But surely your overall album score is not going to average out to being a borderline classic. Big L's is higher than that, okay? Three albums 
And he averages out to a classic album on each of them. So while one of them technically wasn't a classic album, the other two were classics by so fucking far that his overall album score still comes out higher than that of a classic, which is absolutely insane. And I do have to point out one more thing, which I don't think I said, and I'm not sure why I didn't address this. I might have forgot to bring it up, but Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, I believe was one of the top five highest scoring hip hop albums of all time thus far up to this point in the study. So right away off the first two categories, we're seeing absolutely absurd stuff here from Big L. Like I spoke about, the album score 7.04, there were two classics there. Songs, he gets a plus 3.8, okay? We talk about all the time how if you're plus or minus a whole point, that's major, okay? This guy is not only plus or minus a whole point, not only plus or minus two points, not only plus or minus three points, but he is plus over three points, closer to almost four points. Do you understand that that means that almost 40% of this man's songs were great songs? Are you fucking kidding me? That is absolutely out of control. So obviously I don't need to tell you too much more about the song score. Only 40 songs from Big L. 15 of them were great. Not one of them was ever ever anywhere near being weak. So absolutely absurd stuff there when it comes to the song category for Big L. Impact, he gets an 8. And this is fair, man. I mean, here's the thing. The fact that Big L doesn't have a big body of work, surely it does have to come into play. But you also have to take into consideration that with this small body of work, and with such a short time being around, that he still was able to have this big of an impact and influence this many people, those things kind of cancel each other out, if anything. And then you have to go by other things. I mean, Big L is obviously not only a very popular name and a very big name in hip-hop, but this is somebody that... Not only do you hear a lot of fans naming Big L as one of the top rappers of all time, but a lot of other magazines, writers, peers, artists, and things like that. I mean, we literally had Nas, who's been our top guy thus far up to this point in the study, saying that Big L scared the shit out of him. And he didn't want to rap after Big L because he, he didn't think that he was going to be able to follow what Big L did. So these things all obviously contribute to somebody's impact score when you have not only people saying that, but top people saying that. On top of that, we have a super long list of some amazing names listed here. And I, it's just the fact that you could be around for a handful of years and only have two solo albums and 40 songs and influence this many fucking people. Again, I'm, I'm astonished and mind blown by this. So... While he doesn't get a nine and a half or anything like that, I think an eight is a great score for impact. And the fact that somebody was around for a couple of years and had two albums and gets an impact score of eight is obviously tremendous. Um, you know, we can only speculate. Maybe if L stayed around, maybe his lyric score goes to an eight and a half. Maybe his impact goes to a nine. Who knows? Maybe his impact score goes down because he's never able to follow up. And continue that same pattern that he had. I, I don't buy that. I like to think that Big L would have continued to get better. But you never know. It's all speculation like I said. But tremendous scores across the board here for Big L so far. And then for originality he gets a 7. So like I said. 
it was a little bit of give and take here for Big L. When it came to like image and stuff like that, you know, pretty typical for Big L. Baggy jeans, Tim's, a hat, you know, big chain, whatever. Um, not saying that Big L followed anybody or anything like that, but he's not somebody that you would look at and be like, wow, this dude's fucking different. But he definitely made up for it in other ways. Now, his sound overall was not necessarily different, unique, or original. I mean, you, you kind of knew it was him because he had a very gritty, dark, gutter, grimy, boom-bap sound. So I don't want to say that Big L didn't have a sound. He did, but he wasn't really the only one to have that sound. So I'm, again, I'm not saying that he followed anything, but it wasn't this outlandishly, insanely different sound. It was, for the most part, a typical New York sound. Now, where Big L differed from most people is with his message, and this might sound kind of odd with me saying this, because Big L said a lot of things that, again, were typical, you know, New York ghetto shit, where he talked about either killing people or robbing people or, um, you know, just a lot of really violent ghetto gutter things. But Big L never really followed what everybody else was saying. He had plenty of songs where he spoke about positive things and you know, don't do this, you might end up street struck and things like that. And again, that was another song where he was able to keep that topic. And then you have these things where, okay, yeah, he's saying negative, aggressive, rugged, ruthless shit, you know, typical New York hip hop, right? But no, like this dude was saying other shit that other people were not saying. I mean, I touched on some of it earlier on, you know, pistol whipping priests, uh, nuns lay from my gun spray, little kids be crying, yelling, mommy, Big L is coming to get me. So, I mean, this dude just said shit that you were like, he didn't really just fucking say that, right? So a bit of give and take there for originality with L, but he was definitely more original than not for sure. Saying things that nobody else, not only nobody else was saying, but nobody else would even fucking dare to say. Okay, it's not like people started saying him after Big L did. Nobody else is really going to speak like Big L until a once-in-a-generation dude comes by again and starts saying outlandish shit. But nobody was speaking the way Big L was and saying the things that he was. And on top of that, he was still able to just keep his own perspective and his own, you know, take and message on things. So I thought Big L did a pretty good job there of really staying true to his East Coast, New York, hip-hop roots but still finding a way to do it in his own way and bring his own style and shit like that to the mic. So he gets a seven there for originality. And then again, this is not going to be an addition of five things. You're going to add up six things because we have to add the extra two points for the two classic albums. So you add these six numbers up and you divide by five. And that gives you a final rating of 7.07, .07, which puts Big L in drum roll, please. Fifth place of 183 artists done overall. So, obviously an amazing finish for Big L. That should put him somewhere inside the top 10 or 15 when this is all said and done. And who knows, maybe he's able to hold on to this spot and stay in our top 5 overall. I obviously can't certainly predict that he will be ousted, but just going by averages, he probably would wind up finishing in the top 10 or 15, but... Super, super impressive stuff here across the board for Big L today. And I know for me personally, this isn't a huge surprise. Not only did he not lack in any categories, but he did very, very well, if not great, in like every single one of them. 
plus both of his albums were classics. So for the couple of years that Big L was here, I have to say there probably was not much more that this guy could have done. Absolutely tremendous stuff here today. Huge shout out and obvious rest in peace to Big L, man, for sure. Now, just in case anyone didn't notice, Big L just landed in our top 10 overall again, which means that we get another song breakdown this week. Two amazing finishes in a row here these past two weeks. So since we didn't get a stinker from Method Man last week when we did random, we'll keep it at random as I don't really want to make this show about me. I don't really want to pick and choose things. I don't want to say, oh, this Big L song is super dope. Let's listen to this one because, again, that would be me involving my opinion. So I try to keep most of my opinion out of this for the most part. I do like to give you my opinion in the beginning of the show just so you know where I stood with this person before I started this and you could see that I'm not giving any biases here at all. We just spoke last week about how I didn't think Method Man was that good. He finishes top 10 overall. So I am certainly wrong with my opinions for sure sometimes. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to just directly involve them to the point where I'm just picking things to listen to. Again, if we get any two song breakdowns in a row where it's really just not a good showing for the person that we're trying to showcase here, that happens, then I'll start picking things because I really don't want that to keep happening. It probably will happen here and there every now and then. And, you know, we probably can't to a certain extent avoid that. But I think for the most part, doing these top 10 guys, you're mostly going to get good to great songs when you hit random on these lists. Some guys a little more inconsistent than others. Nas was one that was a little more inconsistent. He had some really mind-blowing stuff and then some things that were, eh, you know, all right. So... A lot of material there for Nas, and there were definitely some filler songs and stuff like that where we could have landed on, so that's probably what happened there with Nas, but I mean, with Big L, there's only 40 songs to choose from, and I'm pretty confident that if we hit random here, we're going to get some hard bars from L for sure. I don't really ever remember him being subpar on anything, quite frankly. So we'll go to Big L's list, we'll hit random, and this is Big L Devil's Son. Now... Let me allow me to talk about this really quick because when it came to me breaking down Big L, okay, this song was not on any of the albums that qualified for this study, but it was released publicly long before it actually was ever put on an album. So technically, this song is on Return of Devil's Son from 2010 from Big L, which is obviously you know, 11 years after the guy was already gone, they were obviously taking older songs and just, you know, piecing compilation albums together and stuff. So that doesn't count for Big L's album score, but because this song was released probably even before Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, or maybe right after, um, I, I don't know exactly why this song wasn't on Lifestyles or wasn't on the big picture or whatever like that. But it's certainly one of his more popular songs. It's not something that you can't find. Um, and let's just throw this on and get right into it. Because I know he says some outlandish shit in this one. Hey, yo, showbiz, man. I had this bugged out dream last night that I was the devil's son, B. I was doing some ill shit. When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. I'm waving automatic guns at nuns. When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. When I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. I'm waving automatic guns at nuns. L's a rebel on a higher level. Go get the shovel. Cause I'm the only son of the motherfucking devil. It's a fact I'm living foul. Black niggas should've known I was sick from the shit I did a while back. 
Okay, let me stop it here right away for a couple of reasons. So first of all, if you guys don't know, the sample that's on there in the beginning of the song, when I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. That's a Nas sample, as well as I'm waving automatic guns at none. So I want to talk about that real quick, because these are two things right here that are obviously absolutely outlandish statements, and I, I think I brought at least one of these up when I was talking about some of the statements that Big L made, some of the outlandish statements that Big L made. I might have said waving automatic guns at nuns, which I was wrong, that's a Nas line, but let me talk about this for a second. So... Out of everything Nas has said, you know, Big L chooses to pick these two absolutely absurd lines from Nas here. And I was just saying to you that nobody was saying the same shit that Big L was saying. And then here we go. We got a Big L song where he's sampling Nas saying, when I was 12, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus and I'm waving automatic guns at nuns. So I want to talk on Nas quickly for a second here. This was from one of Nas's earliest songs and... Nas had a little bit more of an outlandish style when he first came out. Like, he said things like this in some of his earlier records. Not often, but he did say some things like this. And then he kind of deviated from that later on. And that's not a knock on Nas or anything like that. And it's not that he never had any other outlandish lines. But the point that I'm trying to make is that these lines right here from Nas... You know, Nas has over 200 songs, if I remember correctly. And probably only a handful of lines like this. Big L has 40 songs and probably has 50 to 100 lines that are similar to something like this, where he just says some absolutely insane, absurd shit. So that's obviously an instance there where we see that Big L was influenced by Nas, okay? So when we write people's names down and we say this guy was influenced by this guy, this is the type of shit I'm talking about. This is not the only way to get somebody listed under your list as people that you've influenced, but this is certainly a way. If somebody samples you, you know, that song wouldn't have been that song without you. There's obviously a reason why that person sampled that song. Even if they didn't do it and the producer did it and that beat was presented to them, they decided to choose that they liked something about it. And again, like I said, that song wouldn't be that song without that person's sample on it. So they obviously have to get due credit for that. Now, if you're constantly sampling, like constantly, like I remember Vinnie Paz was somebody that constantly sampled surely you'll lose a little bit for originality from constantly sampling, but sampling is going to lose originality a lot less and a lot slower than actually taking lines from people, okay? So sampling somebody is a little bit less ridiculous than just taking people's lines and saying them as your own. Now, when certain people do that, I know that they're not necessarily trying to claim them as their own. You ask them and they'll tell you, oh, that's a Big Daddy Kane line or that's a this guy line or whatever. But not every average listener is going to know that. I'm sure there's a lot of people that heard a lot of dope lines from Biggie that thought they were his lines when they weren't. So you do have to lose more originality there when you're just repeating people's lines as opposed to actually sampling them and giving them the credit for saying it. And there's other things that go into this for sure, obviously. Selling out and changing your music, following styles, following trends, following lingo, um, your image, just all things like that. So sampling a very, 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 very small percentage of how people lose or gain impact or originality points and shit like that. But I did just want to point out that it is a Nas sample. So when you heard Big L on the list of people that Nas influenced, this is probably why. Then Big L starts off his first verse with some dope shit. He says, L's a rebel on a higher level. Go get the shovel because I'm the only son of the motherfucking devil. Okay, so we got eight syllables rhymed right away on the first two bars. And I just spoke about this with you before. 
Okay, we're expecting to hear some crazy lines probably from Big L. But right away, I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to say that the song score is raised because of him saying I'm the only son of the motherfucking devil. But let's just acknowledge that line for a minute. I mean, he's claiming that he's the fucking devil's son. The name of the song is Devil's Son. So again, right away, this entire topic of a song and the shit that he's coming in the song with is obviously some ridiculous shit that you don't really ever hear anybody else saying or claiming that they're the fucking devil's son or something like that. But again, no technical mishaps there on behalf of Big L to say that line. We have eight syllables rhymed on that line there. So I might not have been overly impressed with that line when I was younger and heard it, but now that I'm counting syllables, it's like, okay, even on his lines where he's quote unquote taking off and it's not a crazy insane punchline or something that's raising the song score, he's doing something else that's raising it. He's rhyming a lot of syllables or he's using different rhyme schemes or whatever the case is. So Good stuff there on the first two bars from Big L. And then he goes in to say, It's a fact that I'm living foul, black. Niggas should have known I was sick from the shit I did a while back. So, we have six syllables rhymed on those two bars. So, not quite as impressive there as the eight syllables rhymed on the first two. But what we do have on the next two is a pretty decent rhyme scheme that he's able to implement here. Where we got foul black as A. Niggas should have known I was sick, B, from the shit, B, I did a while back, A. So we got an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern there from Big L. So right away off the first two bars, he's already doing stuff to raise the song score. Not saying that this is a good song or anything like that, but it's it's getting to be above average right away already. And let's keep in mind here that the name of this song is Devil's Son. And he comes in talking about shit, you know, I go get your shovel, I'm the son of the devil, I'm foul, black, the shit I did a while back, and he's going in. So, let's see if he's able to keep topic and not veer off course here and continue explaining why he's the devil's son, why he's this ruthless, rugged, insane, evil individual, and I believe that he probably will be able to keep this topic. But, let's see if he's able to keep the topic and what other technical aspects he's able to improve on going forward. Cause being bad, I couldn't stop when I was in preschool I beat a kid to death with a wooden block Back at me cause I was back slapping I realized that every time I got mad that something bad happened Okay, more of the same almost exactly here from Big L again So he says Cause being bad, I couldn't stop When I was in preschool, I beat a kid to death with a wooden block Again, another <laughs> It's fucking guy, bro This guy's crazy Who says something like that? Okay, so again, I want to point out a couple of things here. We have originality. We have outlandishness. I've never heard anybody say that when they were in preschool, they beat a kid to death with a wooden block. So the line itself is absolutely absurd, grabs your attention, causes some kind of reaction from you. And then on top of that, the syllables are not quite enough to raise the song score again. But I just want to point out that he doesn't just rhyme the last syllable. It's couldn't stop wooden block. So again, six syllables rhymed on the two bars there on top of that being an absolutely absurd line. Then he says, faggot niggas, I was backslapping. I realized that every time I got mad that something bad happened. Another pretty dope line there from L. Again, nothing too crazy on the line where I think that the line by itself is enough to raise the song score. But again, you got backslapping, bad happened. So you got another, three, another six syllables there. And then you have another rhyme scheme where backslapping is A, 
Then he says, I realized that every time I got mad B, that something bad B happened back to back slapping. So again, we have eight syllables here rhymed on the two bars. We have a rhyme scheme of A, B, B, A again, and we have a pretty decent line there. So right away on the first six to eight bars or whatever it is here, I mean, this song is halfway to a good song already just based on these technicalities and lines that he's had already. And again, he has kept this topic. Everything that he said makes sense and alludes to why he's the devil's son and what he's explaining and shit like that. And uh, we'll see what he does with the second half of the verse here. I expect more of the same. A nigga hit me with a can of beer Then he ran in fear Later they found him hanging from a chandelier Enemies, I be fucking quick My mom's know who I am Cause she know who she was fucking with Okay, let me stop it again We kinda got more of the same there from Big L again He says A nigga hit me with a can of beer Then he ran in fear Later they found him hanging from a chandelier So again, they're not ridiculous lines There's no crazy punchline there or anything like that But Pretty dope lines, pretty cool stuff there from Big L. Uh, still keeping the topic, still explaining why he's the devil's son and stuff like that. And we have so many fucking syllables. We got at least nine. We got can of beer, ran in fear, and chandelier. So again, another nine syllables rhymed on the two bars there. Then he goes on to say, enemies, I'd be bucking quick. My moms know who I am because she know who she was fucking with. So another six syllables rhymed on the two bars there, which again, there's nothing on these two bars to really raise this song score, but he's still keeping the topic and still doing some dope stuff there, bucking quick, fucking wit, still six syllables, so no slack in any way here from Big L, so, you know, some, some spots where dope lines, outlandish things, rhyme schemes, syllables rhymed, I mean, we're only 12 bars in and we've seen a bit of almost everything here from Big L right away. And obviously, by that line, the name of the song is Devil's Son. He said he's the only son of the devil. Obviously, when he says, my moms know who she was fucking with, he's talking about the devil. So, I think he's kind of just trying to say there, like, Ma, don't be so fucking surprised by the way I act. You know who you fucked to make me. You know what I'm saying? So, again, nothing too crazy to raise the song score, but some pretty solid bars again from L. Oh, my scalp is six, 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 no tricks when I catch fits. My mom picks up the crucifix, and I kill jumps for the Jesus Christ. I'm rolling with Satan, not Jesus Christ. Enemies, I got several guns. Big L straight from hell, the motherfucking devil's son. When I was 12, I went to hell for Again, really, really dope stuff there from Big L to finish out this verse. He says... On my skull, the 666, no tricks. When I catch fits, my mom's picks up the crucifix. So, all of those rhymes, again, we're seeing something totally different here from Big L. All of those rhymes, single syllable rhymes, which is definitely very different from what we've seen on the prior 8 bars or 12 bars or whatever it is. He had a lot of multi-syllabic rhymes, rhyme schemes, and things like that. Here... He goes back to single-syllable rhymes, but he has five single-syllable rhymes in the two bars. So the reason I point that out is not because it's anything that's going to raise the song score, but because it's just something different that he was able to do that, again, it's above average. It's not going to raise the song score, but five syllables rhymed in two bars again. I mean, I think that that's probably the least that he's had so far throughout the course of this first verse, which is insane. And speaking on the line itself, again, it still perfectly alludes to what he's talking about with being the devil's son. On my skull, the 666, no tricks. When I catch fits, my mom's picks up the crucifix. 
So, you know, just saying, I, I go crazy. My mom picks up the crucifix because she knows I'm the devil's son. Whatever, whatever. Then he goes on to say, and I kill chumps for the cheapest price. I'm rolling with Satan, not Jesus Christ. Listen, at some point when he keeps saying these ridiculous things, I beat a kid to death with a wooden block. My mom's picks up crucifixes. They found him hanging from the chandelier. I'm rolling with Satan, not Jesus Christ. He's got to get some credit for saying some absolutely ridiculous things here and just saying so many lines that cause you to just have some sort of reaction like, oh, what the fuck is this dude saying? Again, no technical shortcuts there. Cheapest price, Jesus Christ, another six syllables rhymed on the two bars there. So again, technically amazing stuff all throughout the first verse from Big L. And then he closes the verse by saying, enemies, I got several done. Big L, straight from hell, the motherfucking devil, son. So let me point out a couple things. The whole 16 bars, perfect with keeping that topic. Every single line had to do with him being the devil's son, why he's evil, what he does, yada yada, okay? Absolutely flawless with keeping the topic there. And nothing suffered from it. A lot of times, and I, I'll speak for myself here, a lot of times when I have a particular topic that I'm trying to keep up with, I might not have that many amazing lines in there because I'm making sure that I continue to talk about a certain thing. So that's my number one priority when I'm doing that. Not necessarily the syllables, not necessarily the lines. Of course, I'm going to try to do rhyme schemes and good syllables and dope lines and things like that. But they're probably going to be a little bit more far and few between because I'm really trying to make sure that I continue talking about the same thing for the entire verse. That's my main priority. This guy was able to do that with a very odd topic and never ever once did anything suffer for it. Technical aspects on every fucking bar in this verse were above average at the very least. And then I just want to point out that at the end, he throws in another rhyme scheme Says, I got several done, A, big L, B, straight from hell, B, the motherfucking devil's son, A. So, several done, devil's son, another six bars, L and hell, another eight, and another ridiculous line. So, all for the first verse alone here, I mean, this is a good song, and I'm not even including the fact that he was able to keep the topic, because you only get credit for that if you're able to keep the topic throughout the whole song. But... This is certainly an original type song. I've never heard anybody else make a song about being the devil's son. He certainly kept the topic so far. So throughout the first verse, we're already up to a good song just based off what he was saying. And if he's able to keep this topic for the rest of the song, even if he has not another single good thing that he says and everything else that he does on this song is just average, this is going to wind up close to being a great song anyway. So... I'm sure I know where this is going to finish as I don't think any of L's lyrics are going to suffer going forward. I think you're going to see more of exactly the same. And I think this song is probably going to reach a three long before we even get to the final verse. So let's get into the second verse here and see what Big L does with it. It's Big L and I'm all about taking funds. I'm a stone villain, known for killing and raising nuns. Hey yo, I even kill handicapped and crippled bitches. Look at my scout real close and you'll see triple sixes. Oh, well, like I predicted, a lot more of the same from Big L there. Let's just start off with these first four bars. I mean, this dude is just absolutely fucking ridiculous, honestly. It's Big L and I'm all about taking funds. Hey, 
I'm a stone villain, B, known for killing, B, and raping nuns, A. So, so here we have an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern with 12 syllables rhymed in the two bars. Either one of those things by themselves are enough to raise it a little bit. And on top of that, another absolutely outlandish and ridiculous line. Who says something like that? He's a stone villain known for killing and raping nuns. I I just you know I, I'm not I'm not saying this to to be a dick. I'm not trying to say this is retarded. I'm mind blown by the fact that not only would somebody think this shit right. I mean, you obviously got to be a pretty rare individual to think about raping nuns. You have to be an even more insane and unique individual to come out and say it on a song when you are famous. I mean, this is not like Big L, you know, Big L's not me, where he's making music in his house and he's got 150, 200 people that consistently listen to him and those people know me and they they know what they're going to get when I make songs for the most part. This is early in Big L's career and this guy just comes right out and just, you know, I'm, I'm going to rape nuns, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And again, we spoke about the Nas sample, right? I told you, Nas only said something like that a couple of times throughout a 200 plus song career. We're through fucking 14 bars here for Big L off of one song, and he's already said probably 5 to 10 absolutely absurd and ridiculous things that you will probably hear nobody else allude to. So, more good stuff there from Big L. Then he goes on to say, Ayo, I even kill handicapping cripple bitches. Look at my scalp real close and you'll see triple sixes. So a couple of things there. Another ridiculous outlandish line there from Big L. He's saying that he kills handicapped and crippled bitches. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to say I don't know why he's saying it, but he's making a song explaining why he's the devil's son. So again, he's keeping topic and it all makes perfect sense. But just absolutely insane shit here from Big L. Nobody else says shit like this. And then to follow it up, he says, look at my scalp real close and you'll see triple sixes. So cripple bitches, triple sixes is another eight syllables rhymed on the two bars there. So again, amazing technicalities there from Big L on top of the outlandish shit that he's saying. There's no doubt I'm all about a dollar. I just signed a lifetime contract with the funeral parlor. This kid, yo, owe me, yo. I didn't take his life instead. I tied him up to made him watch me rape his wife. Oh, jeez. There's no doubt I'm all about a dollar. I just signed a lifetime contract with the funeral parlor. Okay, so we have dollar A, sign B, lifetime B, contract with the funeral parlor A. So this has got to be probably the third or fourth time now that Big L was able to do an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern. Every single time he did it, no other technical aspects of the of the bars paid a price. We have another six syllables rhymed on the two bars here. We have another outlandish line where he's talking about signing a lifetime contract with a funeral parlor. You know, he's killing people. He's killing handicapped and crippled bitches. I mean, this shit is just absolutely insane, obviously. Then he goes on to say, this kid Joe owed me dough. I didn't take his life. Instead, I tied him up and made him watch me rape his wife. Again, another outlandish line from Big L there. It's like, you know, somebody owes him money and he doesn't beat the dude up. He doesn't even kill the dude. He's going to tie him up and make the dude watch him rape his wife. On top of that, again, 
we have another seven syllables rhymed on those two bars because take his life, rape his wife. We have take life, rape wife. So that's four rhyme there because his is obviously the same word. And then he has Joe Odo. So we got the four plus the three is seven. So not enough to raise it there, but it doesn't matter. The bars are absolutely ridiculous. He's going absolutely insane, has kept the topic the entire time. And uh, let's just continue on here and see what he does after this. One nigga cold tried to diss me And that shit is risky The nigga took a swung but he missed me So I popped off Now the jump knocked off I spit in his motherfucking face And then popped off Okay, now I'm gonna point something out here And the reason I'm gonna point this out Is because of how absolutely absurd Big L has been this entire song These bars that are coming up right here Not bad Good bars Above average bars But these are probably like the worst four bars of the song And they're still good bars so let me point out why. He says, one nigga cold tried to diss me and that shit is risky. The nigga took a swung, but he missed me. So nothing too special there. It's just diss me, miss me, risky. So we just have the four syllables rhymed on the two bars there, which again, it's not just one rhyme. It's not just one syllable. Above average stuff from Big L there, but not quite as ridiculous as what he had been doing prior. No rhyme schemes there. No real ridiculous line. Not enough syllables rhymed in the two bars to raise the song score. And then he goes on to say, so I popped off. Now the chump's knocked off. I spit in his motherfucking face and then bopped off. So that's a pretty hard line because of the way that he delivers it and what he's saying. Again, just alluding to how straightforward and aggressive and disrespectful Big L was just talking about, you know, I spit in his motherfucking face and then bopped off. But, you know, you got popped off, knocked off, bopped off. So really only the three one-syllable rhymes there as far as technicalities are concerned. And like I said, nothing too ridiculous that's going to raise the song score. So there are four bars in a row that are probably the first four bars that don't raise the song score at all. And I just wanted to point that out that those were probably the four worst bars of the song so far. And they were still pretty damn good. So let's see how Big L finishes this verse out. Once a hottie shot me with a shotty, I died, but then I came back to life in a double body. The way I'm living is dead wrong. I'm a devil from hell without the tail or the red horns killing us fun. I'm number one with a gun front and you're done because you can't run from the devil's son. So he says, once a hottie shot me with a shotty, I died, but then I came back to life in another body. So six syllables rhymed on the two bars there. And again, this is kind of similar to the four bars that we just spoke about before. Nothing really too crazy there that's going to raise the song score. I didn't say anything too insane. Still keeping the topic perfectly here. Still making perfect sense. These bars lead into each other well and stuff like that. Just no technical craziness there to raise the song score. And then he says, the way I'm living is dead wrong. I'm a devil from hell without the tail or the red horns. So... Yeah, he stretches the words a little bit, but it's the way that he says it and it works out for him. He's got dead wrong A, I'm the devil from hell B, without the tail B, or the red horns A. So another A, B, B, A rhyme pattern there. Um, Another six syllables rhyme on the two bars there. Still keeping the topic perfectly, obviously. And then he ends the verse off by saying, killing is fun. I'm number one with a gun front and get done because you can't run from the devil's son so 
again, he does something a little bit different there that's similar to something that he did in the first verse that I pointed out where no real multi-syllabic rhymes, no crazy rhyme scheme, no like ridiculous line or anything there. But he does have one gun, front, done, run, son. So even though it's only one syllable on the rhymes, there are six different words there that rhyme in a span of two bars. So again, not only is it good stuff from Big L, it's different stuff. He's almost done everything that you could possibly do to get points lyrically in this song so far. And we still have another verse left. I mean, already this song is, it's not a great song yet. It's a little above being a good song. And again, he hasn't gotten credit for the, the original song topic or keeping the song topic throughout the songs. We'll have to see if he holds it for the third verse. I'm sure he will, and I'm sure he's going to spaz out on this third verse. I have no doubt that this is going to finish as a great song. The Big L is strictly gunplay. I run in church and just to whip the priest every Sunday. Once I put out the crazy order, I said niggas to kill Tom, his mom, and his baby daughter. Okay, so, you know, kind of comes in with more of the same here. He says, the Big L is strictly gunplay. I run through church and pistol whip the priest every Sunday. Again, another outlandish and absurd thing to say. I mean, come on, bro. This guy is raping nuns. He's waving guns at nuns. He's pistol whipping priests. He's killing handicapping cripple people. I, this, this song is just obviously completely out of control. And the fact that somebody is able to, to do this, to rap like this, for a three full verses, I mean, you usually don't even really hear three verses on songs anymore. Even when they're not about anything, you usually don't hear three verses on songs anymore. So, the fact that this guy was able to write three verses about what he wrote these verses about, and, you know, not once is there a weak line or a reach or any technical mishaps in this shit at all. Uh, you know, and he's just able to consistently drop these absolutely absurd, ridiculous, outlandish lines that perfectly correlate to what the song is about. Super, super impressive stuff here from Big L for sure. Goes on to say, Once I put out the crazy order, I sent niggas to kill Tom, his mom, and his baby daughter. Again, a couple of amazing things here. So we got crazy order A, Tom, B, his mom, B, and baby daughter A. So again, another A, B, B, A rhyme scheme. Nothing too ridiculous on what he says. Obviously, it's absurd and outlandish. He, he's killing some dude. He's killing the dude's mom. He's killing the dude's daughter. All this shit. So, obviously, ridiculous shit. But, we, he manages to do another ABBA rhyme scheme there. We got Crazy Order and Baby Daughter, which is another eight syllables rhymed right there, plus Tom and his mom. So, another ten syllables rhymed on the two bars there. While he still manages to have a rhyme scheme and say something absolutely ridiculous. You know, I just sound redundant at this point. I mean, almost every single bar from this guy has been completely out of control in one way or the other. I'm living up to my extortion image. I be stalking Lennox, catching more bodies in a abortion clinic. Again, try to take hell out. Drop me in a chest with a set. I just laugh and spit the cell out. I mean, seriously right now? I'm living up to my extortion image. I'd be stalking Lennox, catching more bodies than abortion clinics. We have extortion image, stalking Lennox, and abortion clinics, which is another 12 syllables rhymed on the two bars there, and another dope line where he says that I'm catching more bodies than abortion clinics. 
So this song is almost a great song just based off Big L's lyrics alone. And I'm not even done with the song yet. So when we add in the fact that he's probably going to keep this topic for the whole song and it's an original song idea, there's no question that not only is this song going to get a three, but if the ratings went any higher, this song might have been closer to like a fucking five or whatever it went up to. This is just some crazy shit. He then goes on to say, a kid tried to take L out. Shot me in the chest with a tech. I just laughed and spit the shell out. Another dope line. So, you know, obviously not realistic. And I, I've pointed this out to people before. I used to use the uh, the Jadakiss line a lot when people would say, oh, that's not real or whatever. And I would say, well, what about when Jada said, when my coat comes in, they got to use the scale that they weigh the whales with. Obviously, you ain't buying tons of coke, bro. Obviously, Big L's not getting shot in the chest and then laughing and spitting the shell out. You have to understand when people are saying some exaggerative things to make a point. To me, there's a big difference between lying and faking and saying some ridiculously absurd quote-unquote lie just to make a point. Okay, that's obviously a lie. He's not going to get shot in the chest and laugh and spit the shell out. That's not real. It's not realistic. But we're not going to sit here and say, oh, Big O's a liar. He's a fucking faker, bro. This guy's running around saying he can get shot and spit shells out. I mean, did anybody take that seriously? You know, he's making a point. He's saying he's the devil's son. And he's just dropping some dope bars here. So, it's a dope line. Not only is it a dope line, but he says, a kid tried to take L out, A, shot me in the chest, B, with a tech, B, I just laughed and spit the shell out. So another four syllables rhymed on the two bars there, another A-B-B-A rhyme pattern on the two bars there, and another pretty dope two bars there in general. So, I mean, again, this song is a three already. You know, essentially it's pointless for us to even finish the song because the guy has gone absolutely fucking nuts, and this is a great song already, but let's see what L has to say to finish this song and then we'll discuss. Next, I took his gun, then he dropped to his knees with ease. I made him freeze, he bet he please, not to squeeze. When I ain't the type to bust, I just snipe and bust. Click, clack, but don't let the fight the dust. Shorts, I'm taking none. This behavior can sit to the grave by the devil's son. son and guys might need a minute to recover from that one <laughs> so let's close out the last couple of bars here from l and see what he did he says going back to when he said you know that he, he got shot in the chest he left and spit the shell out he's still talking about that he goes on to say next i took his gun then he dropped to his knees with ease i made him freeze he begged me please not to squeeze 
So another example of just single syllable rhymes, but instead of just the one at the end of each bar, he's got another five words rhyme there in the two bars. So again, I just want to point out how he goes out of his way all the time to stay above average. You could have just said, next I took his gun and then he dropped down with ease and I made him beg me to not squeeze. Okay, ease and squeeze could have just rhymed the last two things at the end. He finds a way to get in ease, freeze, please, squeeze, knees, all this shit. So just, it, it goes to show you how this guy was always on top of his game. And while there wasn't an opportunity for one certain thing somewhere, there was an opportunity for something else. And he almost always took full advantage of it. Never lazy, never fucking weak, nothing like that. So again, another five rhymes on the two bars there. And then he goes on to say, but I ain't the type to fuss. I just snipe and bust. Click, clack, bang. Another nigga bites the dust. So again, type to fuss, snipe and bust, bites the dust. We have another nine syllables rhymed in the two bars there. And again, it makes perfect sense. They lead into each other. This is all still on the same topic, still talking about the same thing. And his last two bars, he closes out the song by saying, shorts, I'm taking none. Misbehave and get sent to the grave by the devil's son. So again, keeps the topic, closes the song in the correct fashion, never even came remotely close to deviating from that topic at any point, nothing close to a weak line, no shortcuts, um, no nothing, man. I mean, there really was never anything even remotely close to him losing points for anything on that song. Carried it to a three just based off lyrics alone. Even if he didn't, it would have gone to a three anyway from the original song topic and the fact that he was able to keep that topic the entire song. So just incredible, incredible stuff there. And again, at the end, he has the same A, B, B, A rhyme pattern. Shorts, I'm taking none, A. Misbehave, B. And get sent to the grave, B, by the devil's son. So very, very, very consistent there from Big L. Able to keep a very original topic throughout the entire song. Able to consistently say some absolutely absurd and outlandish things. Um, different rhyme patterns. Lots and lots and lots of syllables rhymed. Um, almost everything done there for Big L as far as what you could do to gain points. He, he pretty much did all of it. And, you know, I got to go out and say, man, that, that's probably the best song breakdown that we've had so far on the show. I'm really happy that that happened. I, I don't think that it really had anything to do with it being that song in particular. I honestly believe that almost any Big L song that we would have thrown on would have been similar to that. Like I said, almost 40% of his songs were great songs. So this right here was something that Big L did often and did consistently. Absolutely fucking tremendous lyricist here. I really wish this guy was still around. You know, not to sound selfish. I don't ever want anybody to die, obviously. But for my own selfish reasons, I really would love to listen to what this guy was able to do going forward. I, I don't really know how he would have been able to get much better. But had he even just kept the same pace that he was on for another album or two, I mean... You're probably talking, he probably goes up a whole nother point. Because keep in mind, with only 40 songs, if he comes out with another album that has 15 songs on it, right? You're talking about an addition of almost another 33% to his music. So if he keeps that same level of skill for another 33%, 
I mean, you're going to add on almost another 33%, which is two and a half, which would put him at 10. So obviously that's a bit exaggerative, but I mean, you could be looking at going from a seven and a half to an eight and a half. Had this guy come out with one more album to rhyme like this, the whole album. So it really does upset me because he, you know, he doesn't get the finish that he deserves. Um, quite frankly, just because he wasn't around long enough to tack on 10 classic albums and give himself an extra 10 points or something like that. Now, again, had he been around longer, maybe his album score drops, maybe his song score drops. Is he able to keep that pace? I don't know. Again, it's all speculation, but what I do know, man, is Big L, I'm telling you right now, Big L, one of the best out for sure, man. Absolutely fucking incredible. And I, I'm just, I'm just baffled by that. You know, that right there, I will say right now, that right there is an example of something that just, you know, coming from an artist, coming from a rapper, that's one of those things where it's a thin line when you hear something that you can hear something like that and, and, and get hyped up and yo, he fucking killed that. Yo, I gotta go write something, bro, right? But it's a thin line because something that's that good sometimes... It just makes you feel like you have nothing to offer. What, you know, and, and again, I just realized I was just saying this. What would, what did Nas say earlier? I don't want to follow that. I can't compete with that. If that's what I got to follow, I don't want to go out there after that. That's kind of the way I feel sometimes listening to some of these guys. It's like, what the fuck do I have to offer after that? I mean, what am I even rapping for? I, I can't do that. And I don't want to say this particular song that I can't do stuff like that because I, I've impressed myself over the past year or two with uh, stepping up my my technical level with rhyme schemes and syllables rhyming and stuff like that. It was never a weakness of mine, but it was never a focus of mine. And because I did a collaboration album this past year with Nick Balls and that's kind of Nick Balls' style, I didn't want to get outshined in that department and Nick Balls made me raise my game a little bit and I knew that you know just some dope lines or some deep things or whatever like that wasn't going to be quite enough to keep up I was going to have to keep some dope lines and keep some deep things said while still adding some dope rhyme schemes and more syllables to the mix or maybe more words rhymed or whatever like that so I don't want to say that this song is particularly something that I feel I'm incapable of doing but trust me, there are some guys out there that do some things where I literally have to go take a break. And I have to just say, like, yo, I, I don't really have any interest in rapping anytime soon after hearing that. So again, man, major shout out to Big L and rest in peace for sure. Now let's get into our list. So we've been talking about this for a bit now. I stated earlier in this season that when we got to 1995, we would switch this list over from a top 15% overall to a top 10% overall. So not only is this list going to change dramatically today as it switches from a top 21 to a top 14, but we also have another addition to this list today as well. So in our top spot, we now have Big L, who's in fifth place of 183 artists done overall. Directly behind him in sixth is Nas, and then a couple of slots back from him is Method Man, who's in eighth couple of slots back from Meth in 10th is Black Thought of the Roots. And then directly behind Thought is Tupac and Biggie who are in a three-way tie for 11th. Behind them in 15th we have Pharaoh Manch. And then behind Pharaoh we have KRS-One who's in 18th. Behind KRS in 22nd we have Jizza. And a couple of slots back from Jizza is Slick Rick who's in 24th. 
Couple slots back from Slick Rick in 26th is Rakim. And directly behind Rakim, we have Redman, who's in 27th. Directly behind Redman in 28th is Common. And then behind Common, we have MF Doom, who's in 31st place of 183 artists done overall. So like I said, huge changes to this list today. Not only do we have Big L sliding in and taking over our number one spot overall, which slides Nas and everyone else back one spot, but changing this list today to a top 10% has also caused Rev Run, LL Cool J, Will Smith, Crazy and Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, Sticky Fingers of Onyx, DMC of Run DMC, and Ice Cube of NWA to all be slid out of our top overall list. Some of those guys have literally been on this list since we started an overall list. Some were newer, more recent additions. But nonetheless, this is how the list stands today. As we continue to cover more artists, obviously that 10% will become a longer list. And possibly we may get to see some of these names slide back in here. So we'll have to wait and see if those spots will be filled by newer artists or if some of the older guys can find their way back in. Now on to our current top 10% lyrically overall. And I want to let you guys know that once we are done with season 2, the 90s, starting in season 3, this list of our top lyricists overall will be cut down to a top 5% instead of 10 Obviously, we do have a bit before that gets here, though, but I did just want to let you guys know, but we still will be sticking with our top 10% lyrically overall for a while, so let's read off that list as it stands now. In a three-way tie for our top spot, we have Pharaoh Monch, Black Thought of the Roots, and Nas, all with lyrical scores of 8.5. Behind them, in fourth, we have Method Man with a lyrical score of 8. Behind him, in a four-way tie for fifth place, we have Master Ace, Jizza, Common, and Big L, all with lyrical scores of 7.5. Behind them, we have another tie for ninth place between KRS-One and Lord Finesse, who both got lyrical scores of 7. And then in a 10-way tie for 11th place, we have Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers of Onyx, Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, Biggie, and Tame One, who all received lyrical scores of six and a half. So Big Al able to crack another list, and while he's not at the top of this one, he is in the top half. So extremely impressive stuff today here from Big L for sure. Now let's get into our particular decades list, starting with our top five rappers to make their debut in the 80s. So your top five rappers of the 80s are as follows. KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. Shout out to the legends that paved the way. Now, our top five artists to make their debut in the 90s so far. In our top spot, Big L, followed by Nas, Method Man, Black Thought, and then a tie for the last place spot between Tupac and Biggie. So, again, we have Big L not only cracking another list, but topping what is seemingly the hardest list of this entire podcast to crack. Today, this list actually reads six names instead of five, as Tupac and Biggie are tied for your fifth and final spot. So we'll have to see if they can hang on to that spot over the course of the next five years. Now, let's get into our newer list that we started this session of our top three artists from each region of the country. And again, we have a major addition here. 
Starting with our East Coast, your top rapper to come out of the East Coast thus far is Big L from Harlem, New York City. Behind him, we have Nas from Queens, New York, and behind him, Method Man from Staten Island, New York. Moving across to our West Coast, our top artist to come out of the West Coast thus far is Tupac from Marin County, California, followed by Ice Cube of NWA from Los Angeles, California, and Everlast also of Los Angeles, California. Moving down south, your top rapper to come out of the south thus far is Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. Behind him, Big Boy, also of Outkast and also from Atlanta, Georgia. And behind him, Scarface of the Ghetto Boys from Houston, Texas. Moving over to our Midwest, your top artist to come out of the Midwest thus far is Common from Chicago, Illinois. Behind him, we have Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Ohio. And behind him, Lazy Bone, also of Bone Thugs and Harmony and also from Cleveland, Ohio. So... Big L not only cracks another list, but he tops another list. Because of this, two things happen. That causes Black Thought of the Roots to be slid out of our top three rappers to come out of the East Coast thus far, which means that Pennsylvania is no longer one of the top East Coast regions in our list. That also means that currently, all three of the top rappers from the East Coast are from New York City, and interestingly enough, all of them are from a different borough in New York City. We got Big L from our top spot from Manhattan, Nas from Queens, and Method Man from Staten Island. So nonetheless, New York making its case there is the mecca of hip-hop for sure. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit and a like to follow it at www.facebook.com slash Podcast. You'll see all the lists, updates, um, schedules, all that type of stuff on there. So be sure to give that a follow if it's something you're interested in. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you'll see a support button. I would really appreciate if anybody could hit that button, send your boy Formsy some bread. And that's going to do it for episode 37 and another super eventful episode today. I can't say enough about Big L, man. Absolutely fucking dominant in every single category. So big shout out and rest in peace to Big L. On next week's episode, we have ODB and Mac 10. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well.